Well, we're in a season a series on prayer, and probably extra appropriate in these days that we think about prayer. I, uh, I am uh, one who I think I can say that I love to pray. Um, and I've been in good company with people who love to pray. My wife was a great prayer warrior, as we used to say. And uh, I've been around a lot of people who love to pray. But I will say this, that um, prayer, in my experience, uh, is not easy. It's, it's not an easy thing. Um, I mean, we make it easy, don't we? I mean, I, we do. Um, we, we're driving down the road and the, the gas gauge is almost on empty and we say, oh God, please help me just to get me to the gas station. So that was easy. I have to go get back and get my staples thing. That was easy. We, I was in the fellowship hall service, a lot of college students in there, and I said, you know, we, we pray oh, as you're walking into your exam and you haven't really studied the way you should. You pray, oh, God, help me. Help me remember the things that I don't even know to remember. And I've done that. <laughs> hasn't really worked very well, but I don't think I can blame God for that. You know, we, we, play, we pray those simple, easy prayers a lot. And, uh, and yet prayer that, prayer that draws into the presence of God, prayer that, that centers us into the heartbeat of God. And I, and I really like that illustration, that, that idea of saying, when we, and you know, it, this is really true sometimes, you know, you, you get, you're around people or you're around other animals and you get into cycles, rhythms with each other. Because your heartbeats are similar. Your lives are on the same page. And, and I think that's what prayer does with us and God. That, that somehow when, when we get into that, that time when we are in this intimate, intentional moments with God. Where we are just in his presence and desperate to be in his presence. And... Our lives are there. We begin to have this sense of the rhythm of God, this sense of the heartbeat of God that that kind of draws us together and in to who he is. I've been reading uh, in Mark of late, uh, particularly Mark. Uh, chapter eight and chapter nine. It, it's they're, they're unusual passages of scripture. There, are lots of things going on, but but there are particularly uh, there are about four or five instances where where Jesus is healing someone or casting out a demon or doing something like that. And 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 really, it's almost bizarre. You w- you wouldn't think about this. You know, I didn't learn to pray like this in seminary. I I, I don't know when Jesus walks up. Ed, did you learn this in seminary? Jesus walks up and somebody needs to be healed, walks up and spits on him. <laughs> they didn't teach me that in seminary. I, I, I must have missed that day. I don't know. But Jesus walks up. He spits on people. He sticks his fingers in his ears. He sticks his fingers in his mouth and their eyes. You know, it's just a really bizarre stuff going on there. And I'm like, you know, I'd get sued if I did something like that. You know, Nick's healing service you have, you know, just... Paul, just try that out, see that works. But it's a, it's a 
funny couple chapters there. And what's also kind of funny about it is, is, uh, is the way people are healed and, and what happens to them in that process. And uh, one of them in particular, I think is funny. You know, you think Jesus, if anybody could heal, it ought to be Jesus, right? That makes sense. We actually have a story of Jesus uh, praying for a, a, a man who is blind and not getting the job done. That was weird. So he does his thing. He spits on him and, you know, rubs his eyes and does all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Jesus says to him, what do you see? Look up. What do you see? And the, the guy says, I look up. And he said, I see people walking around that look like trees. Isn't that odd? This Jesus just prayed for healing. This guy has seen trees. People like trees. So he goes back again. He lays his hands on him one more time. Prays again. What do you see? Ah, I see clearly now. That's odd, isn't that? Kind of weird. So he goes along and, you know, he heals this one and that one and things are going on with all this bizarre stuff. Then he's up on the mountain of transfiguration, you know, that chapter 9 of Mark. And so he's up on the mountain and, you know, amazing experience there. So he's coming down the mountain and, and he comes down and he sees there his disciples are in a big debate, a big battle with a bunch of the elders and, you know, chief priests and all that kind of stuff. And they're arguing with each other. And he says, well, what in the world is going on here? What's the problem? And so they say to him, he said, well, we, your disciples have been praying for this boy to have a demon cast out of them, out of him, and they couldn't do it. So Jesus starts to have this little conversation, this little dialogue with, with the father. You know, it's kind of a, kind of a medical scene. You know, the father asks him, well, how old is he? And how long has he had this issue? And what happens to him when he does what he does? And all, you know, kind of basic kind of questions. And so then Jesus, you know, kind of gets after him. And, and, and the funny thing, in the middle of that, the father says to him, says, says to Jesus, if you could, you would. That's my paraphrase, but if you could. And Jesus said, if I could. And he says to the demon, come out from him. And with a shriek, the demon comes out and the boy is better. So when they all leave, the disciples have Jesus alone by himself. And, and they say to him, Master, why was it that we couldn't do that? I mean, we were doing all the things. We're saying all the right words. We're doing all the right things. Why was it that we couldn't cast that demon out? And Jesus says, interestingly enough, he said, these things only come through prayer. I'm thinking, he didn't really pray. He just kind of commanded. I don't know all about that stuff. So I get at the end of all this stuff. I, you know, I, I, I've read this stuff. I've, you know, I actually been to school and, you know, I, I thought about a prayer a bit. And I prayed a lot and have life. And, and what I've come to is this, is that I really don't know much about prayer. Because every time I turn around, God is doing something different or there's a different way that way people get healed and there's a different way that people pray and there's a different style. And there's a different manner and there's all this. But all I know that is, is that if I want to be in the heartbeat with God, if I want to have my heart tuned to him and I want to walk with him in nearness and have my heart beat with his heart, I've got to be a person of prayer. And, and, and that takes intentionality. It takes intentionality to stop. And, and just be in his presence. 
Sometimes I wonder if we ask ourselves a question, because I certainly ask myself the question, God, am I praying enough? Anybody ever ask that question? You don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, anybody ever said, I mean, and then I ask myself, well, how much is enough? We read pray without ceasing. And then we write it off with, oh, well, just be in a heart set with God, you know, just kind of have your heart tuned to God. And, and then sometimes we take that as we don't need to pray at all because our heart is with God's heart. And so we're OK. And so we just keep crying out those little last minute emergency prayers and call that good. But somehow or another, this idea of prayer is so critical to us. I'll tell you a story about my life. I, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Nazarene home. And uh, that meant I was at church all the time. Every time the doors were open, I was there. Uh, and, uh, and one of the things that we did as a good uh, Nazarene family, we, we prayed over every meal. You know, it's just kind of what everybody did. We, we prayed over every meal. And in our household, that meant that we kind of rotated around. My father was always the one who said who was going to pray. He said, would you pray? Would you pray? All kind of the thing. So, so we did that. And so, um, you know, it was the 60s. And so the 60s were an interesting time. Many of you lived through the 60s. And, and uh, my brother was in high school at the time. And I was, I was in elementary school, kind of late elementary school. And my brother was kind of... Uh, I would say this gently, um, a little rebellious, let's just call it that, a little rebellious and he wanted absolutely nothing to do with God or the church or all that stuff and, and he had wonderfully colorful language to be able to describe how much he did not want to be a part of God and the church. And, uh, and my parents were, were pretty patient with him, I think, and just kind of, kind of let him do his thing and didn't go too crazy on him. And uh, and one day we were we were at the table having dinner and uh, I don't remember my brother even being there, but we we're at the table having dinner. And, and my father asked me to pray. David, would you ask the blessing on the food? And I said, no. And my father never asked me to pray again. I think that he thought I was kind of going down that trail of my brother, just kind of rebellious and didn't want any of that stuff. And I was just young enough to not really know how to tell him that it was the fact that I had a mouthful of food and I felt kind of embarrassed about that. And I didn't want to pray with my mouthful of food. And then by the time I would have been at an age to feel like I could have talked to my father a little better about that, I was already withdrawing myself from the church and really wasn't too involved. I can just tell you this much, that in my experience, one of the greatest benefits of coming to faith in Jesus Christ was getting to pray over meals. I went to college and oddly enough, I had a whole bunch of Christian friends. I don't know how that happened. Maybe just God put that together. They all sat down to eat and what did they do? And me, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to eat away. <laughs> but when I came to faith, when I finally understood all the stuff that I had grown up with, I went, oh, that's what that was. One of my great joys was to be able to pray 
over my meals with joy and intentionality was to go home and say to my father, Dad, I'd like to pray over the meal today. I like to pray over meals. If you've been with me, you, you kind of know that probably. Uh, sometimes I pray way too long. At least my kids tell me that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And uh, sometimes I, I pray so much I forget to pray for the meal. I just get off on other things. And I just I kind of miss it. And then I come back. Oh, yeah. And thank you for the food, too, by the way. I, I like to pray over meals because, because it's a moment for me that, that, that just takes the focus off of me. Takes the focus off of my own hunger and my own appetites and my own desires and my own stuff and just says, just stop for a moment. It reminds me to be thankful that every breath, every bite, every provision, every presence that I have all comes from God. All comes from God. And every time I stop to pray, I have this little worship moment in my heart when it's just me and God and, well, and whoever has to endure my prayers. And it's just, it's just this moment with God. It slows me down. I want to encourage you to pray over your meals. And not just the... You know, Lord, thank you for this food and may it nourish your bodies. Kind of prayer. But, but really stop. Prayer is important. You know, over the years, I've, I, I have, um, I've had amazing answers to prayer. Um, some of them didn't want. Some of them didn't really believe were going to happen, but still did. Um, had some weird things going on. You remember my prayers uh, that I told you about in, in my mother's prayer for me as I went off to college. David, I'm praying for you that you're going to have a Christian roommate who doesn't smoke or drink. And I would say to her, I mean, she must have said that to me a hundred times. And I said to her every time, you know, Mom, I really don't care if my roommate's a Christian or not. That's not a big deal to me. I'm not really into all that stuff. But it'd be good if they didn't smoke or drink. And I went off because I really wasn't into that. I was pretty straight kind of guy, that stuff. Um, and so I got to college, met my roommate, and walking around, find out he doesn't smoke. Wow, that's cool. Walking around some more, you know, freshman, nobody knows anybody. We're hanging out. Um, find out he doesn't drink either. And I'm like, oh, boy, what's going on here? That's two out of three. And that night, he's getting ready to go to bed and pulls out his Bible. And I knew I was in big, big trouble. Because I knew that my mother's prayers had been answered exactly like she had prayed them. Funny. I grew up as a kid in the church, and even though I didn't get it, I grew up there. Uh, it was an old-time Nazarene church. Anybody remember an old-time Nazarene church? There, they were unusual kind of places. At least mine was. Um, that when when people got really blessed in old time Nazarene churches, what they do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah! They pulled out their hanky and started waving it around. Everybody had a hanky. Anybody got a hanky with you? Probably not. You got a hanky? You do have a hanky. There's one back there. Okay, okay. You are one of the few, and good. There's a great movie out just recently about the old guy, the intern. Did anybody see the movie, The Intern? Isn't that great? 
And the guy talks about a hanky. And, and, and these, these, these interns, these young interns are asking this old intern, why in the world do you carry a hanky? And he says, it's just so that you can give it away. At the right moment, at the right time, you just give it. So anyway, but I, I grew up in the church when everybody had hankies. And when the ladies got blessed, they would just start to wave their hankies. They'd sit in the chairs and they wave their hankies and they'd say, oh, Jesus, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. And then sometimes, you know what happened? That the chair just was not enough. And, and those ladies would start to, you've heard this, run the aisles. You maybe never seen this, but I tell you what, I grew up in a church with hanky waving lady running the aisles. So they'd run the aisles. They'd be waving that hanky. And they'd go, oh, Jesus, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. And they would run up and down the aisles. They'd be so blessed. God, you are so good to me. You are so good. And they'd run those aisles. And, and man, it was a wild and crazy kind of place. And I was a little kid over there going, Okay, because we didn't go out for children's church and all that. We sat, everybody sat through the whole thing. I'm like, okay, something's going on here. This is a little odd, but, but as a little kid, I'm watching these ladies, these older ladies, and I'm going, that's a little weird, but, but I know something's going on with them. I know that God's doing something. There, there's something good about that. I grew up in that kind of church, and, and, and it was the kind of church where they actually regularly, probably pretty routinely, had healing services. You all know the Nazarenes believe in healing, right? Divine healing, right? Amen. So anyway, so they would have healing services, and people would come down to the altars, and, and they would pray. And, and, and as a kid, I remember, seeing, I remember seeing people come down in wheelchairs and crutches and walk back. I'm a little kid going... Okay, I know those people. I, you know, it wasn't like strangers came in and did this. I thought, I know these people. Yeah, I, I have a history in my, in my DNA or something that, that just says, I know that God heals. I know that God moves. I know that prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. Over the years, I, I've seen many people get healed. Seen my mother healed. She had cancer in her throat. I, I've seen people, people in my churches that, you know, it's funny. I've seen people get healed and we didn't even really, I wasn't even paying much attention to it. People come up to me and the lady came up. I remember one, but she, she came up to me and said, oh, pastor, would you pray for me? I got this thing going on with me and I just need prayer. I said, okay, sure. You know, just stop and pray. You know, kind of just, we do that kind of thing. You know, just put our hands on our shoulders and pray. God, you know, just do your thing. And, and uh, okay, good. We go on our way. And she comes back a couple weeks later. And she says, oh, pastor, I'm so excited. You know, God, I, I went to the doctor the other day and, and God is just, it's gone. It's God's done it. And I thank you so much for praying. And, I, and I'm like, I pray for you. Yeah, don't you? Oh, yeah, of course I remember that. That was good. You know, God just did it. It wasn't about me. It was about God. God just did it. And I live in that, grew up with that, lived in that whole process. There's something about just paying attention to God that makes a difference. I was in college and was walking down the, down the sidewalk one day and and uh, heard the voice of God, and I mean, not like David, kind of, not not that kind of thing, but just just you know, kind of walking, trying to thank God and want to be available to you. I was in a college student, you know, I, 
I don't know why we lose this, but I was a college student and, and kind of lived with this mentality to say that, God, anything you want, anywhere, anyone, anytime, any, I'm just ready to go. I, mean, I, I dropped things. I gave money away. I gave tires away from my car. Somebody had a flat tire and didn't have anything to do. Here, take my tire. It's okay. You know, it's my dad's tire anyway. You know, so, you know, you know just, you know, that's my in college. He's got to, you know, it's okay. You know, it's, it's going to be okay. We got to give that stuff up and. And uh, one day I was walking down the sidewalk and uh, I heard God say to me, you need to ask that guy to be your roommate. And I went, I don't even know this person. I mean, what I know of this person, I don't know why I would want to be a roommate with this person. And, but I said, God, you know, I said to you anything you want, I'll, I'll do. And so right down there, I had this little conversation. So I asked him to be my roommate and things went along. And so we were roommates that next year. And, and I could never really quite figure out why it was until a couple of years into uh, the semester, that semester, um, my roommate uh, got a phone call one night. Uh, and his his mother had died when he was pretty young, and um, and uh, he got a phone call. Uh, he was uh, we were juniors in college that year, and that his father had had a massive heart attack and passed away just instantaneously. And uh, and my roommate uh, had almost nobody in his life, nobody. I had, um, and and I just I just hung with him. We took a couple of weeks and just we just went together. We walked through all the process of funerals and arrangements and all of that stuff as a young man. And um, and I went, God, thank you. That, I know I know why I know why I'm here. Um, this guy just didn't have many people. He was just a nerd. I'm just telling you. Just flat out. I, w- I was in band. I was a psychology major, music minor. You know, I kind of like to do things. Played a lot of tennis. Hung out. This guy was a computer science chemistry double, full, full double major with an astronomy minor. <laughs> this guy had no friends. I mean, he was in class all the time and he wouldn't know what to do with friends if he'd had one. It was just me and God working because God knew who he was. So I've seen God do a lot of amazing things. And then I have to be honest with you, I've wondered why God doesn't answer prayer or doesn't answer prayers the way I'm asking them to be answered sometimes. For five years or so, I prayed every day that God would heal my wife. And many of you did the same. I know that. And we brought her in and and we had multiple healing services for her. We anointed her with oil and we prayed prayers of faith. And we asked God to do what only God could do. And she still died. And and you have to wonder, you're thinking about, well, prayer is so big, why why doesn't God answer prayers when you pray? But what I've come to understand is this. And it's what, as I leave this place, 
I want you to know and remember about me. I'll be back. (laughs) When you have your 110th anniversary, I'll be back. And this is what I want you to remember about me. In the meantime, and then, forget everything else. Forget all the good, bad, and ugly. Just let it go. Just remember this. (laughs) Is that God's goodness is not defined by my circumstances. If you forget, well, please forget everything else. (laughs) Just remember that. God's goodness is not defined by my circumstances. Because... Because, you see, if you can get to that place, and the reason why this is important as we talk about prayer is that you do not get to that place without great prayer. You don't get to that place where you say, God, I know that you are good and that your intentions for me are always good. No matter what my circumstances look like, you don't get there. Without intentional, deep, trusting prayer in God. The little, oh God, give me to the gas stations and oh God, help me get through this test, will not suffice. Because when we get to that place where where we just say, God, I don't know what else is going on in my life, but I know that you are good and that your intentions for me are good. Then, then when the really good stuff comes, when it just seems like life is easy and I'm blessed and, I mean, things are hopping and copping and plopping and it's just good. We don't take too much credit for that. Because it's the same God. And, and when things are difficult and struggle and challenges and, and it's just messy and, and that's the life, by the way, that is the life of the church, by the way. We always say we don't want to be a country club church, right? But we really do. But the reality is, whatever you want, we're still a hospital. Whether you want to be a hospital or not, we're still a hospital. And life is messy. And, 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 and it, so you get to there, you get to this side, and it's the same thing. It, it's still like, okay, that's messy and that's hard, but... But it doesn't define who God is, and it doesn't define me, and it doesn't define us. You see, because God is good, and his intention for us is good. And whether that seems like it's really easy and answers the prayer are coming, or whether it's really tough and your wife just gets sicker and sicker and finally dies, it's all the same God. It's all the same love that he has for us. It doesn't change who God is, nor his love for us. See, we're not defined by that stuff. God is not defined by that stuff. God's goodness is not defined by my circumstances or your circumstances or our circumstances. He's just good. And we live in that place with him. Let me finish with one, one last verse. This is Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. It says this. 
says, do not be anxious about anything. But with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I like this passage. It's one of my favorites. But I like it because it, it identifies the fact that there is a lot in life for which we could be anxious. Right? It doesn't say, don't have anxiety. Don't have stress. Don't have problems. It acknowledges that life is full of anxious moments. But we don't have to live there. And we don't have to be defined by that. There's more to life than our anxieties. There is a way out. And that way out is prayer. Not the flyby prayer. Not the drive through service prayer. But prayer. Petition. With thanksgiving. I love that song. Strength will come. So we wait upon the Lord. That he inhabits our praises, that he wants us to praise him. Although, you know, there's something that we're praying with thanksgiving in our heart. And then the miraculous stuff can happen. The peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to live there. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now you get where I'm going with all this. There are a lot of unknowns before us. Okay? I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm going to sell my house and go chillax for a while. Keep asking God what he have for me next. You all are going to start the process of finding a new senior pastor. There is much to be wondering about. But here's the deal. We don't have to live there. It doesn't have to define us. It doesn't have to define you. Present it all to him with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. Amen? That's how we go through stuff. That's how you go through change. That's how you deal with all this stuff. It's true for me. It's true for you individually. It's true for the church corporately. It's what we do. We pray. And we get our heartbeat beating with the heart of God. We allow Him to come and bring a peace that surpasses all understanding, healing, and wholeness. It's okay. Amen? Amen? Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. Lord, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the place you call us to live. Along the way, life happens. Stress, anxiety, change, questions. Unknowns. 
You know that. No secret to you. And you just simply say, bring it to me. Just come into my presence. Let your heartbeat beat with my heartbeat. I'm listening. You can trust me. That's God's word to us. That's good for me. That's good for you. And so God, I just pray blessing on your church. Lord, would your presence be near and be real? Would you draw your church together? Hold them. Keep them. And may our heartbeats beat collectively together and with you. For God, you are good. And your intentions for us are good. And so we trust that. Because God, your goodness is not defined by our circumstances. Neither is ours. We are found in you. So God, we love you. We give you all that we are. May your amazing peace rest upon us. Pray in Jesus' name.